Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Last month, a major change to the local recycling program took place. And while residents may not notice any difference right away, it is a huge shift with serious implications. Northumberland County is no longer in charge of its recycling program. Yes, you will still see the same trucks coming around picking up your recycling. That will not change. And the green bins are still going. Garbage remains the same. Nothing is different, says Adam McHugh, Associate Director of Operations at Northumberland County. But behind the scenes, a provincial body called Circular Materials Ontario has taken over. It is made up of producers of items that use recyclable materials. The county is contracted for the next two years to run the recycling program. It is all part of a master plan from the provincial government to transfer the responsibilities and the costs of recycling back to the companies that produce the materials. Locally, it means taxpayers will not pay for the recycling program. That is a $3 million savings. If you want to hear the details, have a listen. I'm delighted to have with me today Adam McHugh, the Associate Director of Operations at Northumberland County, and he's the guy that is responsible for recycling. Welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thanks, Robert. Glad to be here. Two big steps took place in December related to the county's recycling program. You finalized a contract with a national organization to continue to operate the Blue Box program until the end of 2025, and the deal with Emterra Environmental to purchase the recycling plant in Grafton was finalized. So before we get into any details, can you tell us what these changes will mean to our listeners when they go to put out their recycling in the future? Well, the good news is that uh, this will have zero effect on our residents when they go to put their recycling and waste. Everything will be the same as it was uh, in December, will be the same as it is now, will we'll stay the same for the next two years. Um, the county is going to continue to oversee its collection contract with Miller Waste, and Miller Waste collects our blue and our grey box garbage and our green bin waste, our garbage, as well as our leaf and yard waste, and, and the county's going to continue to do that, but now we have a contract with Circular Materials Ontario, that organization you spoke about earlier, who will then reimburse the county for our full cost for offering that service and overseeing and administering that. So residents will still put out the same materials on their same collection days, and everything will be the same. They'll see no noticeable change whatsoever. So let's start with the uh, contract to operate the blue box. So you cut this deal with Circular Materials Ontario. Who are they? So Circular Materials Ontario are a producer responsibility organization. Sorry to throw so many names. So they're a pro. 
So, so basically what happened is back in 2019, the province passed legislation basically saying that they were taking responsibility for the blue box program away from municipalities and putting that responsibility on producers of packaging and paper materials. Um, those individual producers, obviously the likes of like Coke and Pepsi and Walmart and Unilever aren't going to be going around and collecting their own specific products from residents. Uh, what they have in place is this producer responsibility organization, namely CMO, Circuit Materials Ontario, who are overseeing their legislative responsibilities. So Circuit Materials Ontario are in essence kind of working like a municipality did in the past, where they are now putting out contracts to make sure that the blue box material is getting collected from all the residents in Ontario, that that material is making its way to receiving facilities and ultimately to facilities like the county's former MRF, where that material then gets sorted and sent off to markets to be recycled. So we at Northumberland County have entered into a contract with Circuit Materials Ontario to continue to administer the collection contract that we have in place with Miller so that it'll be seamless. We will basically, Miller will continue to collect that materials and CMO will receive funds from producers to then pay the county and other municipalities who have opted to continue to provide that collection service um, and, and look after the recyclables. How much money will it pay the county? So it will it will cover the county's cost. So on an annual basis, the net cost for the county to provide recycling, including the collection, the operations of the MRF, the receipt and haulage of blue box materials at our community recycling centers to the MRF, and the disposal of any residual waste and all those costs and, and the promotion and education around blue box was around $3 million per year. So it's absolutely no difference in terms of budget. There's not going to be any additional taxpayer dollars that will go towards this. That's correct. So the idea was that, that, that the cost for the blue box should actually be transitioned away from the taxpayer base and go back to the producers to make them fully responsible for overseeing that. And the idea was that, you know, producers are in the best position to be able to control, you know, the costs associated with managing their material. It, it, the hope is that, it will also enable producers to potentially be incentivized to produce packaging that is more readily recyclable. And another um, benefit of this is that it'll, it'll enable uh, the producers to have a provincial-wide standardized blue box and standardized provincial promotion and education around blue box, whereas in the past, each municipality that's operated a blue box program has done something a little bit different, allowed different materials because of the former legislation allowed municipalities to kind of pick and choose what materials. There was a base number of materials that had to be recycled in every program, but then it said there's leeway as to what other materials you couldn't couldn't recycle. So you, you get a lot of confusion from residents when they would move to this area or go somewhere else about what was and wasn't recyclable in a, and now that should be standardized across the province in a couple of years. There's a lot in there what you said, but I, I'd like to just go back to a little bit just to sort of cover the smaller points off. It, now, you're saying that they're going to pay $3 million of the budget and there's not going to be any impact on taxpayers. How does that compare to before this contract? Uh, when you were trying to sell the goods on market? So historically, it's been around $3 million a year uh, based on levy to, to support the overall cost for the, the Blue and Gray Box program in Northumberland County. Obviously, that that fluctuated year over year. And that was that was basically the county's cost. So the former legislation where municipalities were responsible for providing this program required producers to pay 50% of a municipality's net cost for a blue box program. So it was a shared cost. Now, 
honestly, on a yearly basis, that could change um, because when markets for recycled materials are good, we're generating more revenue. So the net cost goes down. In 2022, for example, we received almost $1.5 million in revenue uh, from the sale of the blue box materials. This year, even though we're, we're, we're still receiving and processing the same tonnage of material, we'll be lucky to come in around $800,000 this year because markets have, have tanked in certain areas and, 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 and fluctuate so much. So it really is challenging to say what it is on an individual year because so much of the, the program cost can be associated with the revenue that we generate from the, the materials and they fluctuate quite a bit. But ultimately it was the taxpayer that was making up that difference depending on whatever the market was. And what you're telling me now, if I if I understand it correctly, is that's that's all gone now. It's the, the Circular Materials Ontario, the producers, they're gonna be given whatever is the, the budget number. And then that's, we don't have to worry as taxpayers about that being on our, our tax bill. Is that, am I describing that correctly? Yes, you are. So, so now we actually have, we have three separate agreements with Circular Materials Ontario. We have an agreement to provide curbside collection of blue box materials from our residents. So we know what our costs are from our contractor. So we basically agreed that, that CMO will basically reimburse our costs for that. Um, Circular Materials Ontario is also going to provide the county with a, a budget to do promotion and education specific to blue and gray box material recycling. Um, and we've also agreed that they will cover our costs to continue to receive blue box materials at our community recycling centers and transport those materials to uh, the receiving facility, which is the Murph and Grafton, which was up until last Friday owned by the county and is now owned by Amterra. So, yeah, so our, our full cost for offering all those portions of the, the service delivery program are now being fully covered by our agreements with Circuit Materials Ontario. And that's the $3 million we've been talking about. That's correct. All the members of the board of directors for Circular Materials Ontario are corporate types. They're all people who represent various producers or corporations that produce recyclable items. There is no municipal representation or representatives of environmental groups. How significant is that in terms of having a voice at the table when decisions are being made around recycling programs? So as we move forward, uh, again, the, the province has signaled that it, it, it really, this program really is now the responsibility of producers. They have full control over how they operate the system, full financial control over that as well. Um, and the legislation um, has a number of triggers in there to make sure that that, that the, the environmental benefits are being realized. So they're, the, the producers are required to, to pay um, for materials um, that they generate, that they put into the, the system, and they're required to you know, make sure that X percentage of the materials that they put into the marketplace are captured. Now, if that doesn't happen, there are targets within the legislation that basically state that if a producer doesn't you know, recycle X percentage of their materials that they put into the marketplace, then there are penalties that can be levied upon those producers for not doing that. So there's an organization that's overseen by the Ministry of the Environment called the Resource Productivity and Recovery Authority that is kind of the, 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 the authority type arm of, of the, the ministry that then is the one that oversees this legislation and makes sure that the producers are complying with that legislation. So it's not 
overly important that municipalities be in, in the weeds in this anymore because we're not the ones overseeing this program. Um, we we are ensuring that we're we're looking after the other materials that we do have responsibility for. So we've recently added the green bin program. We've added a mattress diversion program that'll be coming online shortly. So there's a lot of other programs that that we're now turning our focus to and trying to make sure that all of the other materials, waste materials that we can divert from landfill, that we're we're focusing on that now and have a little bit of space and, and ability within our staff to focus on that now that we aren't having to focus so much on the blue and the gray box program specifically. But when you think about it though, we don't really have any control anymore about our, with our recycling program. I mean, you mentioned earlier, you were talking about all the different things that can happen, the standardization, but you know, what made our program so great, we don't have a say in that anymore. So while it may sound like it's more efficient, are we losing a form of control in order to meet the standards of our community? So, so through this, this process, um, the province has said that what is in place right now needs to stay in place for at least the next two years. So even though the county doesn't isn't legislatively responsible for this anymore, certain materials is now responsible for ensuring that the same level of service is in place. The same materials are being captured, um, that the frequency of collection is the same. And then come 2026, um, the intent is that the producers will then start adding more materials and standardizing that collection program across the board. So they are required to continue to capture at least as much material as is being captured now. Um, that material that, that, that was being captured and collected by the county before is, is still going to that same receiving facility in Grafton and will go through that same processing plant to capture those same materials and send them to the same markets that the county did before. So there really isn't much change that the hope is that with full financial responsibility for this, that we will see improvements that the, the, the system should get better because now with producers having full cost control, they're going to want to be looking at ways of improving their packaging to make them more recyclable um, so that they don't get penalized for, for not recycling their materials. And, and in the legislation too, those targets are going to be increasing year over year. So say, for example, this year you have to get 80% of your aluminum cans. Two years down the road, it could be 90% and then 95%. So the, the legislation is, 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 is ratcheting up so that you're continuing to see an improvement on the amount of material that gets captured and recycled beyond what we're seeing today. You're going to forgive me for being a little bit cynical for just a moment. But we, we know two years from now, it, it sounds like for the next two years, we're good. But two years from now, when the province and these recycle, recycling people take over and, you know, I granted you said there's a watchdog group that's going to keep an eye on them. But we know that these these big corporations have lobby groups that are in there. It's hard for them to lobby against every municipality. It's easy for them to go to the Ontario government and lobby like crazy and say, please, please give us an extension. We don't you know, we don't want to have to have our target put up. I know that sounds cynical, but. It is a possibility. How can we be assured that this isn't going to happen and we are going to see the very scenarios that you've just described to me? Well, in order for there to be changes, so the legislation is pretty clear now on what, what the obligations are for the producers and the targets they have to meet and the potential penalties they could be paying if they don't meet that. Obviously, there's a system in place that has been running for since 1994 and it works quite well. There's not a lot of reason to think that 
that would change a lot. Again, we're wanting to see improvements as the provinces has signaled. Um, but in order to change this legislation, you know, that would be through a full public forum. There would have, be the ability for environmental groups, for municipalities, either individually or through the Association of Municipalities Ontario, to then counter lobby, I guess, if, if, if we felt that producers were coming in and trying to weaken the legislation or push things off. We have that ability, as we always have as municipalities, as environmental groups, as individuals, to lobby on our behalf and, and ask them know that we make sure that, that, that the, uh, the legislation stays as environmentally strong as possible. Will the local system of supports continue? Things like if I have a complaint about my recycling or um, you mentioned earlier about education, what are, the, are those things going to still happen at a local level? Like, can I still dial up somebody local and say, hey, you know, they didn't pick up my garbage or yeah, well, at least for the next two years, because that, that's part of those contracts we've entered into with Circuit Materials Ontario, where we've said that we will continue to be responsible for promotion and education. Um, the 1866 hotline number for waste and recycling will still be answered by, res by Northumberland County staff. It'll be Northumberland County staff that are continuing to administer the collection contract with Miller Waste. It will still be our friendly transfer station attendants at our community recycling centers that will be directing residents as to how to recycle their recyclables and other materials when they come to our community recycling centers. So the interface for the public will remain the same. If they've got concerns, they can they can bring it to the county. They can always go to their local politicians who will then bring it to our attention and we will try to get it addressed that way too. But yeah, that doesn't change. Um, beyond 2026, um, that remains to be seen as to how that will happen. You know, maybe we'll enter into continued um, arrangements with Circuit Materials Ontario to continue to administer and, and look after um, promotion and education specific to Northumberland County, or that may be something that they retain an organization or have the waste company itself that's doing the collection do that communication and education to residents. But for at least the next two years, we know that nothing will change from a communications perspective. When the two years is up, are you going to be going out to residents to seek input as to how to proceed going forward? Will there be any opportunity for that so that residents can feel like if, oh, we like the system or we want to keep going or, you know, we want you as the county to keep doing what you're doing? I mean, will there be a public consultation before all this sort of gets changed magically or or how's that going to work? Well, I, I think over the next year or two, the county's really going to look at what's happening in the municipalities to see how that that communication piece is happening because there's Dublin county is what we're calling an opt-in community where we opted to continue to provide services on behalf of certain materials ontario but there are other municipalities who chose to to exit this arena and turn over everything to certain materials so certain materials is now responsible for ensuring collection contracts are in place that the appropriate promotion and education is happening to those residents and communities that have opted out so I think before we would come to council or, or solicit anything from the public, we would want to see how well of a job certain materials is doing in those opt out communities over the next year or two to determine that, yeah, you know what, they're doing a good job and they seem to be addressing the public's concerns or, oh, we do have some concerns and maybe we will want to have some conversations with certain materials and with our council to determine if we want to try to, you know, continue to support that promotion and education piece specifically. What is the extended producer's responsibility framework that was mentioned in a press release? 
Yes, so the extended producer responsibility framework is basically the legislation that, that the province brought in in 2019, which says the historic legislation was that municipalities were responsible for providing the blue box program to its residents and the producers had to cover 50% of the municipality's net costs. Now, with that kind of full producer responsibility, the producers are fully responsible for that blue box program through the legislation. So they have to look after the entire blue box program from the collection to the processing to the promotion, education, everything, and the full cost of that program now going forward. It's easy to concentrate when we have this discussion on the recycling side of it. But what impact is this going to have on the future of the Brighton landfill? Um, so that there may actually be an extension in the life of the Brighton landfill. It's not that there's less waste being generated, but when the county operated the material recovery facility in Grafton, um, the residual waste, the, the portion of the materials that came in on our collection trucks, on the recycle trucks, that either wasn't recyclable because it was just contamination that was put out wrong or because through the process it wasn't 100% efficient, we saw about 10% of what was coming into our MRF the last couple of years was uh, non-recyclable, ended up being residual waste materials that had to be landfilled. So we would then haul that material to our Brighton landfill for disposal. We don't receive a lot of commercial waste at the Brighton landfill because our tipping fees are higher than what you can get in other parts of the province over down in the States if you send your waste there. So we anticipate that the residual waste from the recycling plant in Grafton, now that we've sold it, likely won't come to Northumberland County's landfill. So that was around uh, 1,000 to 1,500 tons a year. So that material will, will no longer be making its way to the bright landfill, which will extend the life of the landfill by several, another several months. With the Brighton landfill then, as you've described, receiving a, maybe a little less garbage that is associated with recycling, can you bring us up to date on the state of the Brighton landfill going forward? And you mentioned a bit about there could be some extensions, but what, what do you see coming in for the next three to five years for Brighton landfill? Sure. So, so the Brighton landfill is, it really has a life that's based on the, the capacity, the, the the airspace that remains in that landfill. So obviously, the less waste we put in that landfill on a yearly basis, that extends the life um, by months or years. Um, back in probably 2010, we were landfilling around 35,000 tons of waste per year. Last year, we landfilled a little more than 21,000 tons per year because we've we've implemented a number of diversion programs. 2019 was a big year for us. Uh, 2015, we, we launched the Leaf and Yard Waste Program, but in 2019, we, we launched the Green Bin Program and the Two Stream Recycling Program. And the Green Bin Program now is keeping upwards of 3,000 tons a year of food waste out of the landfill. Um, we have a number of diversion programs that have historically been in place. Uh, we, we offer electronic waste disposal, year-round access to HHW, household hazardous waste disposal. But we also divert things like tires, scrap metal, drywall, bulky plastic materials like children's toys and, and plastic Adirondack chairs, things like that. So we've got a lot of diversion programs. Um, in early 2024, we will be launching our mattress diversion program, which we anticipated would extend the life of the landfill by close to another year. And um, just recently um, through the 2024 to 26 budget um, process, we recommended to council and they approved 
implementing a dimensional lumber, so like a construction lumber and an asphalt shingle diversion program at our landfill and community recycling centers. And it's our anticipation that there'd be about another 2000 tons a year of that material that we could keep at a landfill and send instead to be diverted or recycled, um, which would then probably extend the life of the landfill by close to another, you know, eight, 10, potentially eight, 10 months, potentially another year beyond that. So just implementing, you know, the mattress program and the, the wood and asphalt shingle program will extend the life by two years. But um, the, the blue or the, the green man program, uh, you know, had, had a huge impact on the amount of waste that's going to the landfill. And the added benefit of keeping the, the green bin waste, the food waste out of the landfill is that when food waste, because it's organic, when it breaks down in the landfill, it generates methane, which is 23 times worse uh, 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 yeah, greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So if we can keep that food waste out of the landfill and instead have that turned into a compost, it generates carbon dioxide versus methane. So it's much less um, impactful on, on climate change and greenhouse gas emissions. So it's great to keep that stuff out of the landfill. We, our, our goal really is to ensure that only materials that currently don't have a diversion option are going into our landfill. We obviously covet that landfill space. We want it to last as long as possible because extending a landfill, expanding a landfill is costly or siting a new landfill or figuring out a different way to manage our waste are all going to be costly options. The cheapest option is to, you know, make sure that you're, you're using your, your resources as, as uh, most economically as you can and extending its life as best as we can. All good things come to an end. When do you see on the horizon that we're going to have to, as a county, start to have discussions around a new landfill? Uh, those discussions will be starting this year, actually later this year. So uh, we have approved in, in this year's budget to retain a consultant to start an environmental assessment process to figure out what it is we do with the fraction of our waste that can't be diverted from landfill. Uh, we know that we've got a finite life, you know, right now it's maybe 2034, but that's only 10 years away. Maybe we get a little more through other diversion programs over the next couple of years, but realistically we're about 10 to 12 years out from when the landfill is full. And through an EA process, um, that's probably about a five-year process. And then it's another couple of years to implement the solution, but we have to look at all the solutions. So, so as much as you've said, you know, are we looking at, you know, building another landfill, we'll also have to look at the options of, you know, does the county look at sending our garbage to a different landfill in Ontario? Do we look at sending our waste to an energy from waste facility or to another alternative waste disposal technology, whether it's like a digestion or a plasma type process? So all of these different options will have to be considered through this process. And it's obviously a very public engaging process. We're looking for a lot of feedback from the community on this when we make these types of big decisions. So we'll be starting that process this year and hope to have a, have a solution or an idea of what it is we're going to do within the next five to six years. I remember clearly 35 years ago when I first came to Northumberland County as a re young reporter covering a process by which they were trying to choose a new landfill. And people figuratively let their hair on fire because it's so controversial as to where this is going to end up. So uh, I can appreciate the fact that, you know, it sounds like 10 years is a long time, but at the same time, when there's so much controversy and people feel so strongly, it, it, you can imagine that it would take that long. Emtera's sale is now done. 
So previously, there was raised concerns about shipping of non-recyclable to foreign countries or landfills and other places. And in 2019, CBC did a big story on this, and National Geographic has done stories about this in the last year. And there are countless other credible news outlets that point to the problem of recycling plastics. How can we be assured that through this new system and, and going forward, that this is not going to happen? Well, if, if MTR follows a similar process that we did, basically, you know, the, the MRF was, as much as it was a municipal entity, it was still a business. And basically, when we operated that business, we were trying to generate as much revenue as we could from the sale of our, our recycled materials. So obviously, it, it was in our best interest to, to process that material and ensure that we were capturing as much recyclables as we could and send those to markets to generate revenue. But at the same time, you're also trying to limit your cost of disposal of the non-recyclable type materials. And there are fairly cheap disposal options available to us in Ontario and in the States. Whereas, you know, placing waste in containers and shipping it across the ocean may not be as cheap of an option. I think the challenge in the past was that some of this material was being, you know, sent under the guise that it was a recyclable material. And then at the other end that people were going to be wanting this, but if you're having to, pay to get rid of material you know obviously transportation is a big cost associated with disposal and it's usually cheaper to, to manage that locally so i would anticipate that 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 any sort of residual waste happening here would be generated and managed locally and any recyclables because of the system we put in place in Northumberland county where we have a very clean system for two-stream recycling there's not a lot of waste that gets generated through that so a lot of the material that comes in in those trucks is making its way to final markets. Where we did find the challenge, when we were a single stream recycling program where everything was being put into a bag, about 30% of that material that was coming into our recycling plant was destined for landfill. So the fact that we've got a good system in place now that is easy, easy for our, our collection contractors to identify if there's any contamination in those recyclables because they're loose and blue and gray boxes, really mitigates the risk of, you know, gross contamination coming into the plant, and then that material is going someplace untoward. You've mentioned a number of items that are on the horizon for the recycling program in Northumberland. What else should we be looking for beyond what you've mentioned already? I, I think one of the things that, that when, when we were dealing with the blue and the gray box program, uh, one of the things that we were struggling with Year over year, we are seeing more and more of these, what we call multi-laminate packaging, these stand-up pouches, these plastic film containers that were made up of what we call multi-laminates. Like, like a chip bag, for example. A chip bag is made up of a number of different plastic layers, as well as an aluminum layer in there as well. So it's very difficult to recycle that material. So that material was, in most cases, destined for landfill. And we've seen in the marketplace that there's been a shift to a lot more of that type of lightweight plastic packaging that really had no market so our hope is that you know through this process that the producers will will now they're fully responsible for the cost and, and managing and recycling this material that they will they will look at you know other options or figuring out ways to, to come up with processes to, to recycle these types of packaging that they put out there so that was that was the biggest challenge for us i think in operating the MRF was the was the lightweight film packaging that we were seeing plastic packaging coming into the MRF. But but on our horizon for Northumberland County, we we have a vision of getting to 75% waste diversion from landfill. We're currently at around 53, 54 
percent. Obviously, the mattress diversion program will help us get a little closer to that goal and the dimensional lumber and the asphalt shingles. Um, beyond that, um, we have to kind of look and see what other types of materials are available for us to start diverting. It may have to start looking at other types of construction and demolition materials like brick and concrete and, you know, trying to see if we can encourage and get more, more separation of those materials at the building sites where right now we may have a contractor that puts a dumpster in and if they're doing a demolition, all the material goes in there. But, you know, if you took a little more time and separated the drywall from the two by fours, from the, the plumbing fixtures, all those materials could be recycled. But if they all come in in one load, then they're just going to end up in the landfill. Adam McHugh, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Well, thank you very much, Robert. Appreciate it. That was Adam McHugh, Associate Director of Operations at Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.